this is the hard trip to Tony Schaefer, powered by Six Hour, never settle. I had a choice of what I carried in combat. I always carried the best. The best of Six Hour. I recommend you carry the best. By the way, this week, I've got a really sweet SIG knife. Who doesn't want to be able to, you know, use Six Hour's great technology to defend yourself? So I highly recommend defending yourself, and I recommend when you do, you use Six Hour to do it. There you go. We are on the America Out Loud Talk Radio Network, also on the podcast network. Check us out, Project Sentinel, projectsentinel.com, and uh, on all the social media sources on the planet. So this week, without further ado, we're joined by Andrew, my friend Andrew Langer. Andrew is a the president of the Institute for Liberty, as well as director of the CPAC Foundation Center for Regulatory Freedom. And, and who doesn't want regulatory freedom? And uh, he uh, uh, does uh, a highly rated uh, program on WBAL, News Radio uh, 1090, which I often join him for. Right, Andrew? Uh, welcome to The Hard Truth. Always, always good to be on and, and uh, always good to have you on as a guest and, and to have the tables turned here, Tony. And for those of you watching, I'm sorry if I look a little jaundiced, not sure why that is, but we'll, we'll, we'll figure this out at some point. No, it's okay. It's we're the day after Halloween, and I'm sure that you were enjoying being whatever you were yesterday. And I'm just saying, if you were a Klingon, that's okay. But in my book, I don't, I don't care. You know, those I, things. I, I was, what, what happens? I was what a happens, former. Go ahead. No, I was a former, a former gifted student, Tony. That's what I went on for Halloween. I went as a former gifted student. So people walked up to me and said, "Who are you supposed to be?" And I would yeah. turn around and say, "Well, yes, that's that's exactly the way. That's what exactly what I keep asking myself is who was I? Who was I supposed to be?" So you know, I I talked about uh, another former gifted student named uh, Tony Blinken. Did you know that when he was a band member, he, his name was Spanky Banana in college? Did you know that? <laughs> Why am I not, not surprised? Well, I don't know if that's true or not, but it's a good story. So we'll stick with the story because the yeah, story is, you know, if yes. if the legend and the man uh, are not the same, always print the legend, right? So the legend of Spanky Manana sure. is something yes. that we all want to talk about, right? Who doesn't want to talk about that? Yes. So what we do want to talk about today yeah, here sure. on the radio show, obviously, we, we're very topical. We want to talk about a number of issues relating to current events. You and I talk about them for your audience all the time. And today, it's, 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 we never have enough time to break it all down, do we? I mean, we're, we're trying to get things in in, what, five minutes or less? Yeah, eight minutes usually. Yeah, that's right. And that's eight why minutes. these formats are so wonderful is that we can have these in-depth conversations. So we're going to focus on the war, uh, the conflict in Israel. We're going to go through a little bit about that today because I think there's some things you and I have already talked about on air. I want to break out a bit more here. But let's talk about the Soviet Union and some of the issues relating to right. the Soviet Union relating to why we're here. Now, I want to frame this properly because I'm not. we're not going to say the Soviet Union and the Russians had anything to do with the current Gaza crisis. What we're talking about is essentially a sentiment relating to the Israelis and, and the Jews. Right. But, uh, you know, for people to understand, and I've had to frame this several times, the basic dispute of territory goes back to 1917, Sykes-Picot. Uh, for those who really want to understand a little bit better, it, it, that's been dramatized, but in a good way, is Lawrence of Arabia. I've been encouraging people to go out, show it to their kids, give them some sort of context on why we're where, where we're at regarding the conflict of land. Basically, the British uh, promised as part of the Balfour's Agreement. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. You're the historian here. I'm not uh, no. relating to to the fact that that uh, the British over over promised and under delivered land. They they split up the Ottoman Empire. Right. The, they and the French. And so the, the French running out of horse to eat had to find borders which were more conducive to, to their desire. 
I'm dealing, you know, I'm not, I'm kidding about the horses. They didn't eat horses back then. Well, maybe sure. they did, but it's not my concern. And the British then this well, promised the Israelis that the all well, the, the Jews their own land, which has become Israel. And I often have to report, re- remind people of the obvious. You know, um, Jerusalem, it's in the name. Jew, Jerusalem. Yeah. So when I start hearing all this, oh, we need to liberate the land from the Israel from the Jews, like um, I think it's in the name, Jerusalem. I think they pre predated yeah. their presence there before uh, Islam was even uh, solidified. Right? I mean, am, am I wrong? Is that a good summary? Well, of course, yes. And 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 we should remember that that you know Palestine and the Palestinians. That's a essentially a, a bastardization in no small respect of the term Philistine, uh, that yeah. it was purposefully used as a way of, of sort of, uh, of, of sort of denying the Jewish homeland that it existed there for thousands of years, right. um, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> so, you know, and so in, in many respects, one could say, in fact, others have said probably more eloquent than I have, um, that that in point of fact, it's the Palestinians who are the colonizers, uh, the Arabs who are the colonizers and, and not the Jews. Um, but again, you know, when we're dealing with the left and we're dealing with the left's view of history, it very rarely does it go back more than, you know, a, a, a two generations, three generations, uh, unless we're talking about sort of historic ills, then it can go back much further. But this is this is where we are now. So I'm glad you framed it that way, because I think so much of, of, of what we face, you and I, uh, as as colleagues and friends, is the complete uh, and utter constant mischaracteri- mischaracterization of history by the left. Right? right. I mean, they, they basically will purposely right. take things out of context for purposes of scoring political points. And, and this is where this is where the, 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 the Russian history, modern yes. Russian history and the Soviet history comes in exactly. because we we cannot forget that when Nikita Khrushchev came to the UN and he gave his famous speech that is so often misquoted as him saying, we will bury you, that what Nikita Khrushchev was saying was, we will be at your funeral. And, and what he was threatening is, we are going to use the tools of our foreign policy and our foreign intelligence policy. We're going to use... Uh, the principles of Western democracy, Western classical liberalism against itself to undermine right. those values and 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 thus so undermine, so tear at these values that these nations are going to be um, uh, indescribable. You know, some, you know, I don't know how long Khrushchev had in mind, but here we are 60 plus years, uh, almost three quarters, two thirds of a century down the road. And what Nikita Khrushchev threatened or promised back in 1960 has borne fruit. And what it means is that when you have the higher education establishment overtaken by folks who are supported by Marxists and who are avowed Marxists and they are uh, inculcating uh, anti-American values and frankly anti-Jewish or anti-Zionist values into their curriculums, and then that gets translated down into not just you know, post-elementary education, but elementary education as well. And and you have these two parallel paths where you have successive generations of young people who have been taught to hate America, that America is not the greatest nation on earth. And oh, by the way, the one liberal democracy in a, a, 
a sea of of authoritarian theocracies that's also an evil empire as well and of course the two of them go hand in hand america and israel and, and so that's why you're seeing all of this unrest on college campuses why you're seeing so many lefties now feeling uh, uh, that they don't have to be guarded in their anti-semitic expressions on the streets of not just major american cities but smaller towns etc cetera, etc cetera. I mean, Tony, I'll just give you an, an example. My own alma please, mater. Please do. The, the College of William and Mary. Now, now, you know, William and Mary, not a hotbed of political unrest. We can talk about all things that go on there. But this past week, and this is not reported really anywhere, the president of the university who's married to a Jewish man, someone threw uh, an object through the window of her house on campus with a note attached to it. We don't right. know what the note said, but you can't you can't separate the two things here. Um, uh, you know, this anti-Semitism uh, on these campuses and elsewhere is is a real problem. So I want to talk about more uh, again in that direction after we get through yeah. the foundation we're establishing right now. But one of the things sure. I want to note and talk about later is the fact you have Jews joining Hamas. I mean, you have Jews yes. who are out tearing down. So I want to talk more about that psychosis because you know, it's like uh, the political left in the universities you're talking about, plus the Jews who are actually saying, oh, uh, Hamas is, uh, is on the right side of history. Do they not understand they'd be the first ones murdered and, no. and put to death by, by the, the, the very people they're trying to support? It's funny because I've had these challenges when I've talked to avowed Marxists who've come out of privileged communities before, you know, and, mm -hmm. and you know, you get challenged by these things. And understand, Tony, and let me explain to, to your viewers and listeners. So I have a degree yeah. in Soviet studies. I come to my conservative or conservatarian values from anti-communism. That's sort of the foot that I led with, you know, right. as a late teen going into college. Um, and so you know, when confront some of these Marxists on college campuses, I'm like, don't you don't you recognize that if there really was a Marxist revolution, if Che Guevara was resurrected from the dead and and walked the earth here in America, fomenting Marxist revolution, you guys would be amongst the first to be lined up against the wall and shot. Maybe not the first. I would be among the first. You and I would be among the first. But but you know, certainly uh, along that road would be the children of privilege who are espousing these things. One of the problems, of course, that the left has is that there's a real tendency towards magical thinking. We saw this during the Black Lives Matter riots of 2020, that folks thought that if they had the, the right incantation, I mean, there really is a mystical sense here, but if they incanted right. the right words in front of the right high priests or priestesses, that they would be spared from harm. But of course, that's not the way it works. And one of the tragic stories to come out of the October 7th Hamas attacks was the tragic story of this woman who to her credit, put her money where her mouth was. She was a very pro-Palestinian uh, pro, uh, Jew who had moved to Israel, was living on a settlement, and was advocating on behalf of the Palestinians. Did, did Hamas care when they came into her community? Uh, the, she may have encanted the words, and we don't know this for a fact, but she probably said, hey, I'm on your side. I've been advocating for you. But it didn't matter, of course, in the end. And, and so the so problem we have, Hold on, Tony. Wait, wait one second. Yeah, I'm sorry yeah. to, to no, no, no. Keep going. I, it's, I just I thought you were done. The problem with American Judaism right now, I'm sorry, Judaism amongst the Democrats right now, is you have one group of people who are horrified by this, 
and they don't know what to do because they've been so thoroughly ingrained to not trust conservatives or Republicans. And then you have another class which is willing to just send up the white flag and say, no, 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 we're good Jews. We support Hamas. We support Palestine. We think that what Israel's doing is nonsensical. And and at the end result for either set is the the, the other side doesn't care. Palestine, yeah. Hamas, Gaza. Uh, you know, they, they they there's no there's no caring there. Yeah, I'm going to put that in, now in a framing. Yeah, so I'm going to put yep. that in a framing in a second. So, so let's go back. To, you mentioned college and your your degree. I my, I have two degrees: environmental studies and and political science. And uh, right. mostly focus on constitution and international affairs in my in my political science, and uh, this is not well yeah. known unless people read Darkheart. I was actually recruited into the a super secret spy program when I was still in college. I was off undercover doing things yes. as a college student in Europe, chasing uh, the sports group Hoffman and RAF, the Red, Red Army faction wow. undercover. Yeah, no, I mean I was like a, a warrior in the Cold War. I wasn't just thinking about it; I was doing it. My point and. Part of this is circling back to I actually got stuck yeah. my last year doing mock trial because one of the professors, Jim Walker, I love you, Jim. He's still out there. He lives in Phoenix and in, in Scottsdale now, you know, retired and living the good life. So Jim Walker knows I'm doing all this undercover stuff because I have to disclose it. You know, I get it. I, get, I have to give professors yeah. orders and, you know, there I'm off undercover doing things in the middle of Germany, shooting sure. people and things like that. And I'm really not joking about that. So my point being is that you know, during the, this is 1985, this is the cold war and, and the, the heat of, you know, this is the Reagan time of the cold war where we were doing stuff. That's why, you know, we right. were doing secret stuff. My point being is that Walker, Jim Walker, uh, knows I'm doing this stuff and he recruits me literally. I'm, I'm almost like, uh, conscripted to join the mock trial team, which I had no, uh, anyway, long story, very short. I've got on my wall up there. We won the 1986 championship in front of Drake University, uh, the National Mock Trial Championship. We, we beat Northwestern University. You know, it was a great, great experience. My point being is Jim, Jim Walker, Dr. Jim Walker was a liberal. He was a free yeah. speech, traditional, let's teach people to think liberal. Something happened because liberals like him, and I love Jim. I would go back and work with Jim at a heartbeat, even though we, and he said once, you know, even though we disagree politically, there's no one better I would want doing the hard work of intelligence collection than you. I, I, I took that as a compliment because, we, again, we, we, we saw things very different. But my point to you, Andrew, my point to you, Andrew, is he taught me how to think critically and encouraged that and encouraged free right. speech. What happened to those liberals? Well, that's and that's what I'm saying is that is that and I listen, it's the liberal movement on its own, but the liberal movement as prompted by the Soviets, and then later the Russians, right? You and I have talked to, uh, about this, right? Infiltrating and subtly pushing these organizations and pushing the organizations on the outside that are, that are pushing these ideologies. And in the end, right, this issue of cultural Marxism, and I'm not the person who's defined it that way. Other folks have, but the, it allows in the same way that actual Marxism in any Marxist-Leninist society, uh, uh, it, regardless of where you are around the world, doesn't book dissent, doesn't allow for any kind of dissent. That's where we are here, and and so you know you you wake up at some point in time if you're a a liberal and you don't recognize it. Listen, this is why the former head of the ACLU says he doesn't recognize the ACLU anymore because yeah. the ACLU doesn't stand for civil liberties anymore. They stand for the progressive ideology in the end. Well, then ultimately, it's not education, it's indoctrination, right? Is that a good summary? Right. That's 100%. Yeah. 
Yeah, because I again, I was and, and I was thrown in the middle of things to 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 learn. It's like, hey, you you you've you've never done mock trial, but this is what you have to go do. I wasn't dictated to. It was like, you go figure it out. I'm going to give I, you some tools. I knew in college, I knew I had professors who disagreed with my personal political philosophy, but I knew that I did not have to parrot back what they were teaching me right. in order uh, to get good grades on things. Right. And when I've taught, and I've taught at the college level. Um, that's, uh, that is a, a core value for me. You don't have to agree with me in order to succeed in this class, but you know, right. on the fundamentals, you know, there are things that I'm talking about that aren't a matter of opinion, but when things are a matter of opinion, we can obviously, obviously disagree uh, on, on things. When I talked about the regulatory, so, the regulatory issues. Yeah. So the, that's the one thing I think that, that I will share with you. And I think you get this and my audience understands it. We're, yeah. We, my job, Project Sentinel and our, our effort to support social and do all these things is to preserve the very fabric that gives us the freedom to have the debate, because I think that's what's at right. jeopardy right now, is that, you know, ultimately where this is all well, going. This but that's is, for another. Was, go ahead. Right. I was just going to say this well, is that's for another show. It, but yeah, and just the one thing I would say is that this is why the parental rights movement is so vibrant right now, because. Yeah. People who are our generation or just a few years behind us, because I'm a couple of years behind you and people who have parents who are with kids in elementary school, they're a few years behind me. That's why they're all coming up now, because it's right. not the same environment that we recognize. It's, it is a refinement of the environments in which we were all raised and educated. Right. Uh, and by the way, Andrew, I'm, I'm 39. I was actually only six years old when I was deploying to, to, to Europe in 85. Well, the I was really undercover. Tony, is, is that you were doing the work in real in real life that I was wanting to do, and then in the middle of my junior year of college, the Soviet Union disappeared. And so I was left with a degree. And of course, Clinton cut the intelligence budget, um, and I didn't have a graduate degree. So I went in a, in a, in a very different direction at that point in time. Right. I feel your pain. But I would have been very Andrew. bad in the intelligence world because I've got too big. No, I no, 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 no. You would not. I feel your pain, Andrew. For I had to cut the budget. You know that. That Monica Lewinsky told me to cut it, and I, I had to cut something. <laughs> anyway, back exactly. to more serious things. I think you would have been a great intelligence officer. Remember, Andrew, it, it, the, the one thing that's most missing out of the intelligence community is people asking hard questions and and trying right. to resolve things. You would not believe how many times I've been in the room with very senior people uh, and and said, what you're seeing is complete nonsense based on what I know is going on. And and that includes Jim Woolsey. It includes a lot of senior folks from the Clinton days. I'm just saying that that, that was something. But let's get back to current sure. day. So let's imagine, if you will, because we're both we're not we're both not as old as to remember World War II. Let's imagine, if you will, 1944, uh, March. General George Patton is told by his staff they have found a concentration camp, and they roll up on it, as history shows, and they find yeah. horrific conditions where the Jews have been butchered, which they're still burning in, in. Um, and these great cauldrons, yeah, they're they're and so uh, this gets released to the press. Can you imagine then? This hits the American media, and you have protesters in Times Square from college protesting that we should have allowed the Germans, the Nazis, to do their job to end the Jews. Can you imagine that? Right, right, right. Or or that, or that you know why, why are we? Yeah, yeah, there are a whole host of things. But but it, you know, it gets back to this issue. It's funny because I was talking with my father about about this. Mm -hmm. uh, the other, the other aspect, it's, it's not just the cultural part of society, but you remember the, the phrase that was born out of the Spanish civil war, the concept of the fifth, uh, the fifth column. 
Yeah. Um, and, and, and America guarded against that during the Second World War. We took a very dim view. First of all, the, the concept of the fifth column, which which means, you know, a group of people who live in a society um, and are essentially infiltrating on behalf of a sworn enemy. Right. Um, that became synonymous with treasonous activity in America. Um, we have allowed a fifth column to develop in the United States, and and it's it's the as I said the anti-American sentiment, it's the anti-Jewish sentiment, etc. And yet, you know, it is so become so powerful this fifth column that it becomes next to impossible to root it to root it out. Well, part of the problem is the the and I'm going to say this is going to piss off people on the left. I'm sorry, uh, FDR opened that door. I mean, he was far too deferential to the left to include putting members of, I think they were very much loyal to the Communist Party into his administration. I would argue, I don't, I mean, I don't, I love, by the way, I saw the movie Oppenheimer. Uh, I think it's a great movie, but it kind of demonstrates the fact that you had lefties who were in high positions of authority. And while I don't believe Oppenheimer was a member of the Communist Party, his his uh, acceptance of certain concepts allowed him to make bad judgments on people to work for him. I believe. I I, I will I will say this. I, I I listen. I'm a proud graduate of the Ethical Culture Fieldston Schools in New York, which is a, mm-hmm. a, a, a an ethical humanist high school in New York. It happens to be where J. Robert Oppenheimer went to school and his brother. And yeah. so I've I've seen firsthand where they learned their values. That while not necessarily well, the brother certainly was a communist. Um, while J. Robert Oppenheimer may not have been uh, certainly where the quasi-Marxist um, uh, uh, leanings came from. But right, I mean, remember, to, to you just talked about George Patton. Remember that yeah. Patton recognized the Soviet threat and knew that at some point in time something was going to happen. Why not do it then before, the, before they got the bomb? Right. Uh, who knows what history would have been like, but there was all of this goodwill and we were in this alliance with Stalin, uh, you know, a devil's bargain during World War II had to be done. Um, but uh, but in the end, you know, we we needed to recognize that there was this threat down the road. Well, and, and I don't want to go. Boy, we could talk about that uh, by a separate show. And, you know, Andrew, we should just have a show about historic uh, relevance to we the should. current things. But um, and I'll tell Chris to put that into this queue because I think it'd be a great discussion about what great yeah. moments in history where things diverge. Um, I, I was right. trying to get, I would look, I was trying to get Don Rumsfeld to, to work with us and Don was uh, open to it before he passed. God rest his soul doing a retelling of the, of the Korean war outcome. I would argue much of our sure. uh, malaise in the military comes from the fact we chose not to win Korea. And and that malaise is now right. carried over to us being fully accepting of, of, oh yeah, we're just going to continue to deploy folks and let them get killed. And let's not worry about winning uh, anyway, right. show for another right. day. But I think it'd be sure. a great topic to break down. But let's go back to this issue regarding the Russians and, and Soviets and, and anti-Semitism. But by the fact that I think the fundamental element of the of the Soviet system is they're godless. The, the idea is the state is the thing that you must worship. And, and obviously, all religions were essentially banned under under the Russian system. And uh, right. but you're not going to you can you can remove the religion from the, the the system. You can't remove religion from the people. That's a takeoff on right. another thing that people say. But so th- then s- for throughout that time, the, the issue of Jews being part of the, the Soviet fabric was very uncomfortable. And, and I think that that, that prejudicial concept, uh, that the idea that, that, yeah, you can be a Jew, but you can be godless, 
I think that carries over today because that, I believe, there's a direct line that can be drawn from this the, the, the Soviet attitude of you must, if you're going to be a good citizen, you must ignore your heritage and, and not be a Jew to now where Jews are ignoring their heritage and signing a board to, to basically not only be godless, but actually sign a, sign a board the other side. Is that a, is that a reasonable posit? Of, well, I, I, of, I think of, it's, a, it's a little a little bit more subtle than that, right? You know, okay. the, the assimilation of Jews into uh, American society, let's set aside Russian society, I guess modern societies, because we saw this part of the reason why the Holocaust was able to take root in the way or the Anschluss was able to take root in, in Europe was because you had Jews who had become assimilated and they were, and, and again, there's nothing wrong with it. I mean, I'm an assimilated Jew, so it's not as though, um, and I was born Jewish and converted to Christianity. So I guess, you know, Folks can make questions about this, but at the end of the day, you know, there's a point where the, there's a play called Leopoldstadt, which was on Broadway. I don't mm -hmm. think it's on, it may still be on Broadway, which focuses on this in Austria and sort of the wide sweep of assimilation and how assimilation drives people away from sort of their religious connections and their faith and thus their brotherhood with, with their fellow Jews being able to band together in terms of defense. Um, and so, you know, it, it has, assimilation is really a, a strong part of this. Ethical humanism, I know we got to go, but ethical humanism, which is essentially faith without faith, is an outcropping of Jews who no longer wanted to be, they didn't want to be Jewish anymore. They wanted to be accepted generally, but they still wanted to have some kind of ethical unity. Well, we could go down that whole path of Sam Bankman Freed and, um, this whole idea of effective altruism, which is, it's, it, boy, if you want to be a narcissist and justify being a narcissist, that's the thing you do. Just saying. I mean, that that yeah. uh, that whole S SBF thing is that. Anyway, so we got to take a break right now. This is The Hard Truth with Tony Schaefer. We're going to take a quick break and come back for part two of the show with Andrew Langer. Uh, Andrew, I, boy, I mean, we, we could literally talk the rest of the afternoon and, and uh, on all this stuff. So we're going to have you back. But in the meantime, let's take a break. We'll be right back uh, right at this break. The buildup of spike proteins is dangerous to your health. Global Healing's Foreign Protein Cleanse detoxes your body, removing the spike proteins, allowing your body to repair from within. Formulated by Dr. Edward Group and by Dr. Brian Artis, Foreign Protein Cleanse targets and detoxes spike proteins in the body. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get 15% off using the code OUTLOUD. Global healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. How can you improve your odds of staying healthy? The answer is stay healthy with Cofix RX. Who's got time for a cold, strep, a flu, HRV, RSV, or COVID anyhow? Cofix has some great news. Besides being featured as a top five product in the drugstore news, we completed the protocol that you've heard Dr. McCullough talk about. Cofix RX is already famous for a powerful virus hostile nasal solution, and now we have a throat spray too. Crush those nasty germs before they become a problem. With known antiviral support ingredients like povidone iodine, xylitol, and vitamin D3, you can feel a little safer. For a limited time, when you add the new Cofix RX throat spray to your order, you'll receive 25% off the entire purchase. Just click the Cofix RX banner on the America Out Loud website or store. Be sure to use promo code OUTLOUD25 at checkout. Don't forget, OUTLOUD25 at checkout. This is Jody O'Malley with Nurses Out Loud. Did you know our body is made up of trillions of cells and inside each cell, redox signaling molecules are produced. 
These molecules hold a sacred place in chemistry because as we age, the vital communication of our immune system to keep our bodies free from harmful bacteria, viruses, and toxins become less efficient. For the first time ever, ASEA brings you the power of these molecules in a convenient and potent form to provide your body with the essential support it needs to thrive. Ever since I toured their facility, I take two ounces in the morning and evening, and my vitality and energy has been restored at a time I needed it the most. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get your exclusive 15% discount by using the code OUTLOUD. You wouldn't go a day without brushing your teeth or washing your hands. What about washing your nose? I mean, your nose does filter the air you breathe, air loaded with bacteria, viruses, and irritants. Make nasal hygiene part of your routine with Clear. No messy bottles to fill, no drowning sensation. Clear is a natural drug-free saline with the added benefit of xylitol, which blocks bacterial and viral adhesion. Available in stores and online at clear.com. That is X-L-E-A-R.com. World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company launched the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. The Wellness Company's chief medical board designed every supplement and medical protocol with your health in mind. From groundbreaking supplements like the Spike Support Formula to unique care like Freedom from Big Pharma. Join a healthcare system that puts your health and well-being above the interest of Big Pharma's bottom line. It's the way healthcare should be, with a company that shares your values. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. With the rise of independent media, we are now AmericaOutLoud.News. For the genius of the United States is not found in its executives or legislatures, nor its ambassadors, authors, colleges, or churches, nor even in its newspapers or inventors. The genius of the United States is we the people. AmericaOutloud.news. Liberty and justice for all. Hey, this is the hard truth of Tony Schaefer, part two. Still powered by six hour. Uh, six hour never settled. Uh, I had a choice of what I carried in combat. I always carried the best. I recommend you carry the best, especially since your life depends on it. I would put my life on SIG every time, and I did, and I'm still here. So there you go. Proof's in the pudding. We're on America Out Loud Talk Radio Network, also available on the America Out Loud Podcast Network. Check us out, ProjectSentinel.com, and uh, we're on all these social media sites. And so here we are continuing our conversation with Andrew Langer. Andrew is a a friend, colleague, supporter of Herb London, Dr. London, and, and in the old days of the London Center. Plus, he does yeah. his own uh, radio show, which I'm often on with him. We always have great conversations. This is one of those great conversations, which we will still still never get to, Andrew, everything we want to talk about. But before the break, we were breaking down the linear, maybe not so linear, but the traceable link between the Soviet Union and, and their anti-Semitic uh, beliefs within the Soviet right. system to some of the issues we're currently facing regarding Judaism, uh, the issues of Jews 
not wanting to be Jews and supporting the very organizations which which, which would see them dead. Let's pick up pick up right there. And obviously, we got Elizabeth, the the ever evervescent Elizabeth Breckenkamp joining us. Hello, and Elizabeth. The, the, the ever cordial Chris Cordani, Mister <laughs> Mr. Cordiality. So yeah, great yeah. cordial, very cordial. That's right. So um, yeah. and, let me and so we're going to go draw, through. If and, I can, let me draw yeah, a brighter. Please. Let me draw a brighter line here because I, I when I when I pitched this to you, it's not just what the Russians and the Soviets were doing in America to undermine America's fabric. But mm -hmm. let's not forget that at the height of the Cold War, and we were supporting Israel as our strongest ally. Right. Um, to some extent, we were engaging with uh, the the you know the Emirates, and we were engaging with with the Saudis to an extent. The Soviet Union was engaged in highlighting every and 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 supporting every anti-Israeli Muslim theocracy in the Middle East, and doing what they right. could to foment terrorism and foment anti-American sentiment. And so this is the end result of that. So it's not, and it, you could call it, you know, Jew hating on the part of, of the Russian government or historic, you know, Jew hating there, but it also had its anti-American sentiments. But the bottom line is, this is where we are. So, you know, when you have Hezbollah engaging in these things, when you have, you know, Syria and what's been happening in Syria, when you have the Palestinians, right, you and I have have, have seen this. I give it a good, good example. Um, you know, in, in Western North Africa, uh, where you had the Sarawi people. Um, and the only reason why the, this is the, these are the people from Western Sahara. Um, when the Spanish left Western Sahara in 1974, uh, the, the Moroccans moved in and right. the people of Western Sahara, the Sarawis, they fled to Tunisia, uh, to Algeria. Algeria was a Soviet client state. Therefore, the Soviets supported the Sahrawis. The Americans supported the Moroccans, and and that's just you know that's that was that was the way it does. But the the point in the end is that the the Soviets had this long history carried on by the Russians, and so this problem of the invention of Palestine and the myths that were created there and the chaos that happens in Israel. I lay this all at, or not all of it, but I lay a lion's share of it at the feet of the Russians. And then you see what happened in Dagestan over the weekend where the El Al flight lands and is swarmed in a riot. Um, that's the face of, of all of this, uh, the chickens coming home to roost in, in Russia. Well, I think uh, Erdogan had a lot to do with that, too, because Erdogan is kind of, I think, sure. encouraging a lot of that nonsense. And, and he's doing it for political purposes. Right. But then again, he's playing footsie with Putin and the Russians again, too. So so it's a great way of framing it, Andrew. And I think that's something I'd like to have the team kind of pick up on from here is the fact that during the Cold War, everywhere we weren't, they were. That's where the, the Russians were. I mean, the Russians were very much in with Assad. Uh, they were in, uh, as a matter of fact, in the 74 war, uh, there are stories which I find credible where uh, the we had devoted so many resources so rapidly to help the Israelis fight off the, the Russian-backed uh, Arab armies, which were all equipped by Russian, that we actually right. had F-4E squadrons literally flown into Tel Aviv by U.S. Air Force pilots, literally planes landing, people getting out of the cockpit, the engines are still going, slapping on you know, Jewish stars over our, our emblem and then take, literally did, taking yeah. off. I mean, I've heard store credible stories of, yeah. of that happening. It's like, yeah, we're just going to give them stuff now. But that, that showed our sure. devotion to their defense. Nixon had to approve that by the way. And he did. Right. 
So I'm right. just saying that that there's clear evidence that we have been with them. And I've said this over and over because I'm 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 like, no, I, I uh, I'm with I'm, I'm look, I think we had to defend them. I, I think it's in our interest to defend civilization. They are the civilized person. They are the civilized group. And yet somehow, you know, uh, Putin is getting a big pass on this because Putin, during the recent uh, issue, actually called when. Well, let me bifurcate this so I don't get in trouble. Joe Biden's policies are so poor and so poorly received that during the time he Biden was on his trip with uh, with uh, Spanky Banana Tony Blinken <laughs> over there doing the things that he has to do, uh, Putin was behind the scenes calling everybody and saying, "Oh no, no, I'm right. the guy that wants to mediate." How, how do you circle that square? And think about this: we're in a, we're in a situation around the world where Putin and she are flying under the radar. Yeah. Okay. This is where we are right right now. Yeah. Not a good sign. Uh, So I know you're talking about this before and in your interview, how it seems like a lot of the Jewish people in the Democrat party are actually saying they're in support of Hamas. You know, they're condemning Israel. Um, I mean, just so, so many things really wrong with that. I don't understand. It almost seems like, Jews in America, like you're talking about being assimilated, um, don't necessarily have to lose your identity when you assimilate, when you live in another country, but they've been so brainwashed. And it's like, I understand how, but I was also thinking about my daughter-in-law. She's 36. She's a Russian Jew. When my son first started dating her and they were, you know, they were teenagers. I remember she, she has no accent. You know, she moved here when she was really little. Both her parents have really strong accents. You know, they live in Virginia talking about being uh, Russian Jews. It seems like a lot of the people who were Russian Jews who didn't, who felt like they were not being well taken care of in Russia, you know, they've went to back to Israel. And I don't really understand how it almost seems like there's like completely separate identities. The American Jews have a different identity than what Natasha has because she's pretty much like pretty much given up being Jewish. So I don't know who she supports and I don't really ask her because it's, fa- you know, family, they don't like to talk about politics. Yeah. Um, but then, okay, yeah, I so it. I can't really, I don't, it almost seems like the, the Russian Jews who moved to Israel, they're now in a new war. And it's like, they're a completely different kind of a Jewish person than the people in America. I mean, what do you, how do you, that is weird. How well, I think, think I think that? you hit the nail on the head. I think some of this has to do with a with a with a commitment to faith. Uh, not that there aren't Russian Jews who are here in the United States. And it, what's yeah, really interesting? In fact, we've, we've yeah. talked about doing a panel. We've we've talked about doing a panel at CPAC um, uh, about uh, a group of there because there are a, a, a number of libertarian or conservative legal scholars, major legal scholars, who are all Soviet expatriates. Um, and they all came here around, you know, they came here during the Cold War and they emigrated here. And and this helps to inform their conservative or libertarian values. That's important. Um, I think so much of this is, I mean, let's keep in mind that we do have a, a trend in certain quarters uh, away from religion in America generally. Um, right. And for so long, Judaism was in many quarters really a cultural phenomenon as opposed to a religious phenomenon. Um, not the, not, and, and we have to add into this, the left sort of looking differently at it again, to come back to my own high school, the Fieldston school where, where Oppenheimer went, they occasionally will go through these 
paroxysms of self-reflection. They had a thing that happened a few years back where they the school was talking about dividing the kids into what they called racial affinity groups. You know, all the Latino students would gather here, all the African-American students would gather there, and so on and so on. And so a number of Jew, Jewish students says, said, well, well, shouldn't Jews have their own affinity group? And the answer from the establishment in power was, well, no, because Jews can hide among their whiteness, which is just a oh. weird way of looking at it, as though Jews <laughs> oh haven't been. So, well, well, but, but that's the, that's the thing. So, so yes, absolutely true. Um, so the point in the end is that you have, you know, Jews that have been that have sort of distanced themselves from the religious side of things, um, and they don't have their faith to rely on. In fact, you'll see that a lot of Jews look askance at Jews who are religious uh, if they're Orthodox. I, I yeah. somebody I was I I I've know very that. well a mentor to me who he was uh, a, a um, uh, essentially a culturally Jewish. Uh, his daughter decided to become Orthodox and have a kosher kitchen. And this was, this was, he was sort of looked cockeyed at that. And I, I thought he should have been very proud. So, I mean, it, it's, um, I think, you know, in terms of the Jews that do go to Israel mm-hmm. from Russia or wherever, when you become, when you accept your Israeli citizenship, um, there are responsibilities that come along with it uh, that, that make it a very serious proposition. Um, right. Because it's, it's not just that you, are under constant threat of attack, but you also have an obligation to serve the state uh, and serve right. the defense of the state. So that I makes like it that. A, a very serious uh, undertaking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We did a breakdown with Mary Walter last night on her radio program where we went through and she had a number of questions about the, the commitments Mary. required. Yeah. Mary was great. And so, but you know, to your point, Andrew, I, I choose to actually go in a different direction regarding religion. I, you know, I, I tell people that I'm a Druid yeah. And uh, who doesn't love the sky-clad <laughs> ceremonies of, of naked women dran- dancing around fires, right? Who doesn't love that? We should so, all be Druids just a, because of that. That's a unifying factor yeah. I think we hey, can all get listen, behind. Listen, so. you know, at some point, at some point we'll have the There's conversation of my women, showing up I at a Jewish wedding that became a woman. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? Sorry as, about this, as long as there's an open bar, I don't care whose wedding I'm going to. Okay? As long as there's an open that's bar. Right. There you go. There you go. So, uh, all right, Chris, any questions from you on the stuff? I, I have to question. What am I, I was going to say this for Tony's take, but I want to get into this right now. I like watching Congress uh, and the, well, the House and the Senate. I like watching Congress squabble over the very idea that aid to Israel and aid to Ukraine should be separate. That's right. That yes. only makes common sense. We don't no. want the government hiding how much goes where. Right. We want to see that. I mm-hmm. like this. I like the idea they're moving like this. And I also know that since we've seen a lot of true colors out of academia right now, we see a lot of true colors coming out of the House and Senate when it comes to separating funds and uh, and, and worrying about uh, whether they're accountable to the people or not. Right. How's that? There and you Sleepy go. Sleepy Joe said he would veto that if it was a separate right. bill. It, just it, you know what? I'm going to veto that. <sighs> yeah. And, and there are there are some real questions as to whether or not Joe would, would make good on, I think he's been given wiggle room that, that I think that he's sort of said that they'd be, you know, that they would consider, they might consider vetoing it. Um, Whether or not he's really serious about this. um, 
I think in the end, right, it's it, there's a, a real question as to just how committed to Israel the Democratic Party is as a whole. But you're absolutely right. Listen, you won't get a more um, a full-throated support of the Ukrainian cause than, than in me. I think Russia's the bad actor here. Um, but that being said, we have to... <laughs> We have to be accountable. We have to have our funding accountable and the material that we're sending over that has to be accountable. And listen, I think the same thing, uh, mm-hmm. you know, holds true with regards to with, with regards to Israel. There's no reason why we can't have accountability for Israeli funding and, and you know, in and, and, and Ukrainian funding. But the bottom line is both are important, but both are important for different reasons. Therefore, both should be voted on separately. We can't tie the two together because there are different reasons for supporting each. Oh, I agree. Right. I agree. But I think that's why the left wants to, to, but the left wants to merge it together. So there's purposes of of, of basically not being able to track anything. And I think it's evil because there are differences and distinctions within the two relationships. And, uh, you know, by the way, I I may be reading ahead here, Chris, I don't mean to ruin if if you already put this, but did you see that Tony Blinken had his son dress up like Vladimir Zelensky for Halloween at the, at it's like, I saw yeah. that. It looked good, though. He he did look uh, look he did look pretty decent as uh, Zelensky. I I think so. I you know as a matter of fact, I wonder if he's already doing bribe bribing his son. I, I mean, I wonder if he starts him early, like at six <laughs> years old, like hey, hey son, here's ten million dollars for your for your college fund. Figure out where to put it. Okay? There is so, something unseemly, you know. Uh, I mean, we're setting aside using kids as political props. Which we all disdain, as we should. Oh yeah. Um, oh yeah. And and I and I say this: if you use your kid to score political hit points, it's almost always going to boomerang around and bite you on the posterior. Um, mm-hmm. But in the end, you know, let's talk about political tone deafness generally in this. Um, I mean, it, obviously, Blinken couldn't show up as Zelensky at the White House Halloween party, um, but uh, but you know, <laughs> to get his son to do what I think it, it, there's something. There's something fundamentally wrong. I mean, I think it gets to the heart of what's wrong with this administration in terms of taking these things seriously. And I don't mean just taking the problem seriously, but the political ramifications and what needs to go into this. Remember, the adults, we were promised that the adults were supposed to be in charge. If this is what adult leadership looks like, then give me more mean tweets any day of the week. Perhaps it would be more more appropriate if the son dressed up as Justin Trudeau. That would work well, a little better. It's tough. It's tough because of the eyebrows. They keep falling off. You know, oh, I mean, it's, it's going to be true to life. Yes. You got the fake eyebrows and they fall off. Per, so perhaps it tough. would have been more tasteless if well, uh, if uh, Lincoln dressed the up as uh, baby Dr. Velier. You know, <laughs> listen, if I could just inject in this, I got one of those for Halloween. I got one of those LED masks that you can change the picture on. Um, <laughs> oh, um, I like it. it the whole thing. And. And the eye slits in it are at a, the right angle to make them look like bushy eyebrows. So me being the Soviet studies person, I uh, I went and downloaded a picture of Leonid Brezhnev, and and that was my I had I, I wore that as a mask for a little bit on set. <laughs> that's a good one. I hope you oh, recognized you. That's cool. Does it, like, does it like does it create goiter as well? I mean, is is the mask help Ew. create goiter? I'm I, sure that's something that goes yeah, along. I'm sure I suppose had, I could so. I could I could have had you know, had something coming off. Of that. <laughs> oh my! <laughs> I tell you, if you really wanted to go. Um, Virtually incognito, or keep people guessing. You could have dressed up as Chernenko. That's the one everybody seems to forget. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> what we didn't forget, though, it's time for Tony's takes. Oh yeah. Oh boy, Tony's is takes. it that time? That's right. Tony's oh, takes is powered by Sig Sauer. Never settle, and I don't settle, settle when it comes to these takes either. That's right. There you Never go. Settle. All right. Well, let's get your takes on this, and everybody, we were doing a round robin with the takes here. So, former 
Sure. Former Trump co-defendants turned turncoats, Sidney Powell, Ken Chesbro, and Jenna Ellis have already, it didn't take very long, have already been screwed after making a proverbial deal mm-hmm. with the devil. They should have been warned. A judge rescinded that first offender status for each of them when it comes to privacy and their names on what these uh, prosecutors will deem as, as uh, when it comes to privacy and the need to prosecute Trump. So that's something they're already, they already lose out in their deal for a little while. Right. Mm-hmm. What do you, what's your take, Tony? So the reason they actually pled, pleaded, which wasn't part of the public disclosure, is they were promised lifetime passes to the Jimmy Carter uh, Museum, Presidential Museum. So who's theirs or his? Who could turn those down? <laughs> who could turn those down? I mean, that would turn, you know, Phyllis Diller into, you know, a saint. Uh, I mean, I swear, I swear to God. So Bridget Bardell. Yeah, who, 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 yeah, who, who blames no. them for giving into that? I mean, who could not resist Jimmy Carter? I, I just don't know. Who, so. Oh, my gosh. There you All go. Right. I like Listen, I, I my heart goes out to my heart goes out to Sidney Powell and and Cheeseboro for 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 this. I I I, I hesitate to say anything about uh, Jenna Ellis because there's there's personal animus history there. But you know, in the end, oh. I know for me, I'd love to raise a couple hundred thousand dollars in in legal fees and then turn around and plead guilty and then and then have that guilty plea turn around and again bite me on the posterior. Um, yeah. uh, but you know, they're, before, they're before the grace of God, go any of us, uh, uh guys. Yeah, no, I, I know Sydney, uh, uh, you know, she used to be one of our senior fellows at the London center. So I've, I've tried to stay completely out of it. I think Sydney made some horrific mistakes right. and I've said this publicly, mm-hmm. you know, when her, yeah. her cracking suit, I gotta tell you, I looked at this first page of that and I knew like the context of the experts were like going to army basic training at Fort Huachuca. Let me tell you, I've been to Fort Huachuca, and going to yeah. basic training there in any sort does not qualify you to, to assess. <laughs> yeah, you're not a subject matter expert. So she training. made some yeah. really bad moves. I think she had too much money. What was the uh, what was that uh, great quote regarding apocalypse now uh, from uh, the directors? Like we had too much money, too many things. Like she had too much money and not enough time to figure out how to use it properly because I think she was being well financed. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, suffice to say, I think. You know, I understand they were tr- what they were trying to avoid, but I, I think in the end, to your point, Andrew, it's not going to make anybody. It's going to be. It's just, it's just an ugly situation for everybody. So they're just trying to do anything to avoid uh, going just, to jail. You know, in the end. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I guess, I guess that that's true. But in the end, sort of having the guilty plea to a felony on your record. I, listen, yeah, as I come back to this, no. I've known some very yeah. talented. Yeah. I've known some very talented election lawyers out there, you know, uh, 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 Cleta Mitchell, Ben Ginsburg, um, you know, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Tim Kavanaugh, uh, et cetera. You know, when you're dealing with an election challenge like this, that's where you go. Honestly, you don't go to Jenna Ellis and Sidney Powell. And, and, and right. I yeah. said this then. And again, no excursions <laughs> on Jenna Ellis. You know, she has a law degree, which I don't have, but. This, this, it was well out of her depth, and and this is this is where where they got. Mm-hmm. Well, the thing well, about I mean, Sydney Andrew, Powell, the thing about Sydney Powell is, why was she so worried about worried about an, ex, an expansion NHL franchise? I mean, come on. Yeah. All right. Well, look, I can get it. No. Yeah, I was part of a team that won a a, 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 a case in front of the Iowa Supreme Court, but I'm not going to be fighting legal stuff. Just saying. So you know. there we go. Right. Here's another one for you, Tony. All right. All right. All right. This is funny. Far lefties are in a tizzy now because the renowned hero of theirs, atheist and Marxist Richard Dunkins, during a podcast, denounced the multi-genders non-binary movement as weird, establishing a, as a biologist, there are only two genders. 
and the left are taught to look <gasps> oh, up to this guy. This must be very oh. tough on them. They, yeah. They've had a rough couple of weeks with this whole Hamas thing, and now Richard Dawkins says something that they, they're not going to. This is going to be tough on these people. So, <laughs> so comment on that? Is that my? Well, I gonna, what's your take on it? Yeah. <laughs> so, well, no, my my take basically is like, look, I think we should do a law that if if you're going to be a communist, you should you should look like GI Joe down there if you're a guy. I mean, just saying because you know most guys who become <laughs> communists are like GI Joe, mm. right? I mean, there there's you know the smooth smooth brained like and smooth textured. Just saying. So you know, it, it's yeah. it's pretty much so they it's went pretty, after pretty much rallying. Yeah. Oh my gosh! You just JK Rowling. Richard Dawkins is going to get canceled, and 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 you know Richard Dawkins doesn't have nearly the fan base or the or the economic base that J.K. Rowling did. So expect Richard Dawkins to be canceled post haste. In fact, mm-hmm. if he's not canceled already, I don't, I don't think he even cares. I got one more. This one's a quick one here. <laughs> yeah. All right, public records. Oh, what was it? Has a public records. Politico obtained apparently. Um, some information, public records saying that New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy dipped into his taxpayer-funded expense account to get this by approximately 12,000 smackers worth of food and beverages during uh, outings, including, uh, get this, a, a Taylor Swift concert. Now, first, Taylor Swift, I mean, come <laughs> on, Young City. I can understand if it's Leibach or the Boomtown Rats or, or whatever these kids are listening to, like the Dave Clark Five or, or whatever that is, but that aside, ah, I thought this guy was Clark. rich. Why is he dipping into taxpayers' funds for the petty stuff? Well, uh, my yeah, first question is, he's rich. My first question is, was it a skinny dip? Because if it was a skinny dip, that explains why Taylor <laughs> Swift will be writing a song about him. I think her boyfriend wouldn't be very happy now either. Yeah, <laughs> oh, I can gosh. just hear that Taylor Swift song about uh, government, a new, a new governor showing up at her dressing room. That's a great song. That that song writes itself, by the way. So twelve. Yeah. It's a hit. Twelve thousand dollars is a is a drop in the bucket. I, I will say that in New Jersey, um, uh, the the political landscape is shifting over this Hamas uh, uh, attack on Israel and the lack of a coherent response from the Biden administration. Look for that to play into the New Jersey races uh, in another week or so. Well, it's no doubt with Chris Christie that the the the, the basic uh, geography changes just because of the weight. I mean, it's just like you know the. Ah. Play tectonics. Oh my god! <laughs> it's inevitable. It's the weight. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, he's trying oh out. He's god. trying out for his new acting gig, starring in the Dom DeLuise story. That's right. That's right. <laughs> That's a. He was meant to play that role. Speaking of that, did you know that I was Have talking to Mary Walter the about jelly this? out of a. <laughs> yeah. No, I was talking to Mary Walter. I was just about quoting this. the movie. That's, that's true. So no, I was I was talking to Mary Walter about this because you know she lives in Jersey, and I said, "Is it true that Chris Christie's going to have frost on him in the morning, from the from the fro- from the first freeze?" And she said, "No, that's that's, that's basically uh, stuff from a donut, from a, a powdered sugar donut." It's like, oh, I guess that's right. Oh, gosh, yes, this hurts. This hurts. Well, I guess the world Mary's doesn't revolve around clips. him, but the moon does. Uh, Chris okay. Christie's that guy when he gets on an airplane. <laughs> All the airline stewardesses say, oh, gosh, we're going to have to redistribute all the weight on the plane because right. he got on. Oh, this is horrible. You guys, you guys are yeah. really mean. <laughs> I know. We're mean. You know, if you would put down that donut, eat more salad, he would probably lose some weight. Anyway. Or my invention, the donut salad. I'm trying to patent this. This is a great <laughs> idea. <laughs> That's a good idea. <laughs> mm, tastes like a donut. Is there spinach on this? 
Well, I think a, a, a dill pickle favorite <laughs> donut would be great for certain New Jersey people. Just saying. I think that'd be, hmm. uh, that'd okay. be a good thing. Like that. So, all right. So I guess it's, it's time to wrap it up. So it's been another great episode of The Hard Truth with Tony Schaefer. That's me, apparently. And then uh, Andrew Langer has been our guest. Andrew, it's been uh, ha great having you for both intellectual discussions and, and going along Always. with our kidding of, of certain personalities in the political landscape. And uh, we'll have you back. I'd like to have you back and talk about diversion points in history, where history would have been tremendously Anytime. different. And I think that we'd have a great discussion on that. And Elizabeth, always great to have you here. And Chris, running the boards and doing the hard things. And and I do think you, you ought to think about going as a Klingon next year. I think you'd be a great Klingon. I have the head, the forehead. Before. Today, uh, today uh, is a good day. Uh, That's right. Today is a good day to die. <laughs> That's right. So anyway, well, we'll see you all next week on The Hard Truth with Tony Schaefer. Uh, until then, uh, keep doing the things you do. Uh, ask questions. Uh, think about things. And before you act, uh, try to figure things out and, and uh, don't be indoctrinated. Just saying. So we'll see you then. And uh, bye for now. <laughs>